Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. So I slept in a room last night. I won't tell you where I was, where I was staying, but I slept in a room and I walked in. And I knew what I was going to talk about this morning. I walk in the room and there's a little sign on the wall that says, I love Jesus, but I still cuss a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, so this buddy of mine loves Jesus, got, got a few kids. And we're driving around and, and uh, um, it was in the wintertime and there's snow coming down. I love the snow. I'm super excited that in Cedar City, uh, we're getting snow 28 inches in the last two days. Storm total at Brian Head Resort, praise the Lord. Um, so the mountain's open. Uh, we are actively back skiing. Um, but, but so I'm in Salt Lake City. I'm traveling around with this man, and, and he's telling me stories, and he just uh, cusses, cusses, like, like okay, so he's, he's not just a little foul. He's like really foul, his mouth is. He loves Jesus, but he's got a potty mouth. And, and um we're going down the road, and he's got his kids in the back seat, and, you know, he's just talking, telling stories, and, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, like legitimately thinking, okay, that's enough cussing. You can, you can tone down the cussing a little bit. Um, but then I look outside, and the, there's snow outside, and I went, oh, sweet Lord Jesus. And I kid you not, his five-year-old girl says, what did you say? <laughs> I look at my buddy. And I'm like, you can cuss like a sailor. She doesn't say anything. I speak to the Lord because I was speaking to the Lord. I was like, oh, sweet Lord. And so I look at the girl and I go, I was talking to him, by the way. <laughs> and I'm like, you can say anything you want. You can cuss like a sailor. And that's not offensive to this little girl. But when I say Jesus' name, that's offensive. All of that to say, this is not an exclamation. It's an invitation. Yeah? Yeah, amen. My God, not, oh my God, would you look at all those fish, but my God, would you look at all those fish? I'm reminded um, in Matthew chapter 9, um, Jesus in essence said to his disciples, would you look at all this fruit? Would you look at all this fruit? And then he prayed, it's, it's so amazing to me, um, Back in 1987, uh, I turned 15. That was the year I learned to snow ski, by the way. Um, 1987, the Lord was in heaven looking down at the city of Las Vegas. And <laughs> in some way, Jesus looked to his father, and I wouldn't guess that Jesus would call the father... Um, my God, maybe Dad. Um, for any of you um, that have a difficult time recognizing that Father, God, and Jesus, though they are one, have conversations, um, that's something you can bring now to Pastor Joey. Where is Joey? Anything I say that you know offends your theology, just take it to Joey. He's the one that invited me. He's got all the answers. But look down over Las Vegas and said, oh my God, would you look at all those fish? Would you look at all those fish? We got we to gotta send somebody there. 
we got to do something about all those fish. we got to bring them in. I was struck some weeks ago um, when I opened up to Luke chapter 4, um, or excuse me, Luke chapter 5. I want to read to you a text that we're just going to deal with for just a few minutes. Um, <clears throat> it's Luke chapter 5, and I do, I, I am old as well. Because I, I, I was wearing this microphone, I had to take my hearing aid out. This is brand new, by the way. I just got it a week ago. Um, it's, it's weird to have to wear glasses and have ears that don't work. But Luke chapter 5. Um, one day, this is super familiar, I would imagine, to, to most of you. Um, super familiar passage. Uh, but I was struck by something that I'm, I'm hoping strikes you. It says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. I don't know that I'd ever realized that before. Um, the translation that, that I'm preaching out of, the, the New Living Translation, says that he, he, he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets stepping into one of the boats jesus asked simon its owner to push it out into the water so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there and what what was fascinating to me is i was well, i was not reading out of this text um or out of this translation i was reading out of another translation and the other translation says that jesus saw two boats and he chose one so there's two boats. Any of you that are familiar with the story and the calling of Jesus' disciples, what's happening here is we've got two boats. One belongs to Peter and Andrew, and the other belongs to James and John, right? Because these guys were buddies. They were workers. They were fishermen. And, and as the story goes, um, Jesus goes out into the water, and he teaches. And then it says... Um, that, that stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now, we don't know what he taught on, and we don't know how long he taught. This passage of Scripture has been used in churches uh, throughout the years to talk about all kinds of stuff. Nevertheless, at your, at your word, Lord, um, all of these things. But, but what I want to focus on today is the empty boat. I want to focus on the second boat. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I want to be the boat Jesus gets in, right? But what happens when Jesus gets in a different boat? Um, this is what, what I found to be fascinating, and then we'll uh, jump in. Told Simon, its owner, to push out in the water, so he sat in the boat and taught in the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now um, go out where it's deeper, let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all night, didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again, and this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. So watch this. It says they began to, the, the nets began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Father, I thank you that it's been an amazing morning already this morning, but I pray that over these next few minutes that you would magically, supernaturally, 
by the power of your Holy Spirit, take words from my mouth and penetrate people's hearts with what it is that you've decided they needed to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you receive that this morning? Um, Did you know that you're going to receive today based on the expectation with which you came? That's always true. Um, Bad preaching, I've heard, um, is God's punishment on people who don't pray. (laughs) If if you pray and you come expecting to receive and you recognize that this is uh, God's word speaking to you, then you'll receive no matter how good the preacher is. Amen? And so... um, I want to talk uh, briefly about, uh, I I just want to talk about initiative. Um, And here, Jesus is the one in the story who initially initiates. Jesus um, has an assignment, and he goes and he says to Peter, um, hey, uh, I I don't know, these guys knew each other, by the way. This is um, uh, Jesus' second trip around the Sea of Galilee. Um, And so when he calls his disciples, it's not the first time. Jesus, or Peter's already for referring to him as Lord. This is the call of the disciples. But they were familiar. Jesus had already been doing ministry and been doing work in that region already. Um, and, and he says to Peter, hey, um, uh, can, I, can I borrow your boat? And Peter has no idea that he's going to go back fishing again. Peter's like, yeah, sure, whatever, dude. Um, take the boat. It's exactly what Pastor Greg was talking about earlier. Um, the assignment's right in front of you. Um, hey, you, you want to have a Bible study over at this hotel? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, I've been doing some other things, and, but, but Jesus initiates something in all of our lives. Um, no matter where you are, no matter how close you are, no matter what you're um, doing with your day, what you're doing with your life, how you're raising your children, how you're functioning in your marriage, how you're stewarding your finances, we're just human beings that are trying to make it to heaven. Can you say amen? But in that process, in that process, we're, we're constantly putting one foot in front of the other um, without really oftentimes a whole lot of, of concern for what it is that the Lord's doing. My prayer is that today um, you'll leave with a sense of assurance that, that, no, 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 Jesus is actually initiating stuff everywhere you go, every conversation that you have, every meal that you purchase, every waiter or waitress, every cashier at the grocery store, every person that you, Jesus is constantly initiating stuff in your life. He's the one that initially initiates everything for us. But the world is telling us well, it's just happenstance. It's just coincidence. I can go on and on and on and on and on uh, about stories, like even with Pastor Greg and myself, um, Christopher, I, it's been, I don't know, 10 years since we've seen each other probably. Um, I don't know how long ago it was that we last connected. I remember being in Israel with you in 2005. Um, but uh, in 2002, when I moved to Cedar City, I drove down here and met you and Pastor Greg, because we had this dream of just uh, going to plant a church in Cedar City that is, is just an unbelievable story that I don't have time to go into. But, but every, everything, if you so choose to invite God to help you see all the fish, you'll start living with a different sense of purpose right? My God, would you look at all the fish? See, we're all trying to catch fish. We don't know where to fish. And the Lord's going, oh, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want you to ask me to see all the fish. I want to help you see all the fish. Because right? they're at the grocery store. They're in, in the casinos here, here in, in, in Las Vegas. But Jesus is the one who initially initiates. Now, 
I think that there's some folks here that are, that are, that are thinking to themselves, okay, well, um, it's, it, 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 it may, may or may not necessarily be my calling. Um, I've tried before. I've failed before. Um, when, when Jesus initiates something, he says to Peter, can I use your boat? Well, Peter's now left with a decision. Peter says, yes, you can use my boat. And so that's where it starts. And, you, you know, I, I, think that, I think that Jesus is somewhat strategic into tricking us into doing things that, that he wants us to do, right? Because he's like, hey, can I use your boat? Peter's like, yeah, you can use my boat. And, and then later Jesus is like, hey, why don't you go drop the nets? Well, Lord, we fished all night. We haven't found anything. I mean, I don't know whether they were tired. You know, that's what most people say. They worked all night and they were tired. I don't know whether they were tired. I just, maybe they were fishermen and, and they already knew that there wasn't any fish there. I already, I already fished that hole and I didn't catch anything. And so... Whenever the Lord drops into our lives some opportunity to partner with him, well, then that puts a responsibility on us to then decide whether or not we're going to do something. So when he initiates, you and I um, have to take the initiative then to then do our part and initiate whatever it is that he wants us to do. See, Jesus didn't come to do all the work. He came to initiate the work in us and for us. I don't know if you remember, but in Ephesians chapter 2, um, we like to teach our kids verses 8 and 9 that says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, this not of any works, any things that you've done, so that no one can boast, and that's where we like to stop the memory verse, but in verse 10 it says, oh, and by the way, um, God has amazing assignments for you to do. No, really, that's what it says. He's got jobs for you. There are great works that he actually prepared in advance for you to do what are those jobs what are those things I, I, I like to to think of it um, in in terms of this we aren't saved by what we do we are saved for what we do did you catch that we're not saved by what we do we're saved for what we do and, and I, I've often said it this way, because this is a big passion of mine. I, I talk to believers often, talk to Christians all the time. Um, if you come spend any time with me in Cedar City, um, you know, I've got to be a little bit polite and diplomatic here because I'm a guest. Um, but, but at our church in Cedar City, I'm super like, like, listen, if you're not doing something to serve the Lord, you're not pleasing the Lord. Right? Amen. And if, if any of you... Joey, if, if I make anybody mad and they leave your church, well, that's, that doesn't bother me, right? <laughs> right? right? I mean, I mean, if you're like, don't, don't invite that guy back again. But, but no, I, I, don't, I don't understand for the life of me. My whole life, I've been passionate about Jesus. I got saved when I was four. Um, I still remember bowing my knee at a Southern Baptist church that my grandfather was the pastor of in Palm Springs in 1976. I remember... And then when I was 15 years old, um, the Lord did some things in my life, and I passionately sold out for him. I wasn't planning on going into ministry. Ministry wasn't uh, my, my, my path, my, my, you know, my choice. Um, but uh, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a music educator is, is where I was headed. Um, but God said, no, no, let, let's do this with you. And I was like, okay, um, where are you going to send me? Cedar City, Utah. <laughs> really? <laughs> but but, but I, I, I do not under, understand um, the Christian that doesn't take the initiative to be a part of the work of the kingdom of God. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, why? Why would you not? Why would you not want to take someone else to heaven with you? 
I mean, why, why would you not want to be a part of answering Jesus' prayer? Matthew chapter 9, he's standing there and it says that his heart broke with compassion because he saw the people, he saw the needs, and they're like sheep without a shepherd. And I could see him just stand there, tears welling up in his eyes. And he says to his disciples, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send somebody. Send somebody. Send somebody. When I'm driving down the road, I'm like, my God, do you see all the fish? Send somebody. Send somebody. My God, do you see all the fish? Send somebody. Send somebody. Put the dragnet in the water. I was in Ohio this summer, and we were walking through a Mennonite flea market. And and I saw a shirt, T-shirt, and, and Cammie says, oh, I need to buy that for you. And it says, populate heaven. And I'm like, yes, let's populate heaven. Who's in? Amen. So, so um, you, don't, you don't get saved by what you do. It occurs to me there might be somebody here this morning that I'm talking about being saved, talking about salvation. You may not know what I'm talking about. Let me just quickly address that. Um, Humans, without a relationship with Jesus Christ, are destined to make it to their final day, and then the story's over. But Jesus, the Son of God, the only Son of God, came to make a way that you and I would be restored to relationship with God to be able to experience his original plan for humanity, and that was to be able to spend eternity in his presence with him. So when we talk about being saved, basically what it means is I'm saved from the punishment of death and get the assurance of living forever. Cool? Um, If that's enticing to you and you're not sure how to go about that, you need to ask somebody before you leave today. You need to poke someone in the name and say, you know, Pastor Pete was talking about this being saved thing. I'm not sure I get it, but would you help me understand? This is not mysterious. It's not goofy. It's not weird. Um, it's, it's actually rather awesome to think that the one who made everything loves you enough to make a way for you to be with him forever. I'm, I mean, that... that, that But when I talk about being saved, you're not saved by what you do. You don't work for it. But someone else might get saved because of what you do. Did you catch that? So it takes partnership. If God's going to initiate work in me, um, obviously I can't do it all by myself. Right? You've already heard about, uh, you know, the partnerships that Pastor Greg and Galen um, were involved in early with, with Paul and the various other people, all of these people that have been volunteers for all of these years, for decades, multiple decades. Unbelievable partnership. Well, in our story, um, Jesus steps into one boat. He sees two boats, he chooses one. And, and he gets in that boat, he teaches, and then he tells them to go cast their nets. And now they pull in such a great haul of fish that the boat they're in can't contain it. Um, basically, This church called Cornerstone cannot contain all of the fish in Las Vegas that Jesus wants in the boat. This church can't. I'm really passionate about church planting, working with church planters, working with people who want to carry the the mission 
of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ around them. And, and, and I, I, I sometimes run into some competitive situations where, oh, I don't want them to plant a church right here because I'm here. And my statement is always, until every person in the world is saved, we need more churches. Until every person in the world is saved, we desperately need more churches. Unfortunately, <laughs> we don't have enough boats and we don't have enough fishermen and we don't have enough people that are passionate about doing something about the fact that people um, are destined to, to not spend eternity with God. But I, I wonder, when I read this text, I wonder what it was like for the owners of the second boat. So here's Jesus, you know, and, and, I, and anybody, um, you, you know, you, you get scarred like in fifth grade recess because they were going to play kickball, and they put you on the wall, and, and you know, I know the Massonaries were always picked first, right, because they were all athletes, but not me, right, when I, when I started the sixth grade, I know I'm not really tall right now, I look tall because I'm standing on the platform, but, but when I was in the sixth grade, I was the shortest kid in the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, so like you had to go all the way down to the second grade to find someone shorter than me, right, but whenever we'd play sports, you know, I'd be like, pick me, pick me, pick me. But they'd be like, oh, yeah, I want Joey. I want Bryce. Tanner, you're on my team. They'd be like, oh, dang. All right, Pete, you can come play. So I always grew up being like the, the, the Jesus, get in my boat. And I'm still that way. I'm like, Jesus, get in my boat. Anybody like that? Anybody that you're like, you're like, if, 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 I know, I know Greg's like this. Um, if, if God needs somebody to score. I want him to give me the ball. Yet, that drives me. It motivates me. I'm like, come on, God, give me an assignment. Give me a big one. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's, it's fourth quarter. Let's get the ball across the finish line. You know, let's, let's, let's get it into the end zone. Let's, let's score. But I wonder what it was like for the owners of that second boat. And you might think that I'm reading um, into that a little bit, but um, I don't know how long that boat remained empty um, I don't know what James and John were thinking when Jesus got into Peter's boat. I, I do know a little bit about John, though. Um, you, you know, he wrote the book of John, and I know that he was a competitive dude, and he was a little insecure. Did you know that? John, in his book, refers to himself. Anybody know how John refers to himself? The disciple that Jesus loved, right? He, he makes a point to let us know that at the Last Supper... He was the one leaning up on Jesus, right? Isn't that right? Um, do you remember the resurrection story? Any of you familiar with this? You know, uh, in, in the book of John, none of the other gospels tell us this, but in the book of John, um, when they found out that Jesus was no longer in the tomb, it says that Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, ran to the tomb and just want you to know, there's a little side note this is john not pete john um the disciple that jesus loved got there first but did not go in peter went in right john and james are the ones that that you know they're in samaria and they're like hey jesus you want to call up down call down thunder from heaven lightning from heaven just light these guys up jesus is like whoa slow down sons of thunder Cool, cool your jets. There's not going to be any destroying people today, right? So a little hot-headed, a little competitive. Um, also, also, John is the one who lets us know that when 
Jesus gave Peter his assignment. Peter was jealous of John's assignment. That's in John chapter 21, if you read through that. So here's these two boats, and Jesus gets in one, and then the other one's there. Um, here's a problem that I see in the kingdom today. Jesus gets in one boat, says, go catch some fish. They go catch some fish. Um, the fish get hauled in, and they're like, hey, we need some help. And oftentimes in the church today, people be like, well, no, that ain't my problem. That ain't my problem. How, how, how do you feel when you see someone else being super successful and you feel like an empty boat still left on the shore? Why not me? Exact. Thank you. Exactly. Why, why not me? Why didn't I get chosen? Why do they get all the glory? Why do they get all the work? Why, why do they have all the fun? Why do they get all? This boat, though, as soon as it was called for, as soon as it was needed, it came. And here's the sad reality. It says that both boats began to sink. And I read that and I thought, they needed a third boat. But the third boat wasn't there. If there had been a third boat, would they have caught more fish? So I wonder, which are you? You the first boat? You the second boat? Or you the third boat? It's not even in the story yet. You the first boat? Jesus is in your boat telling you to do work. He's initiated stuff. You've already said yes. You're the second boat. You're sitting on the shore empty. But God needs you. He needs you. He needs you. There's so much. My God, would you look at all the fish? I mean, they're everywhere. They're flopping around like fish out of water, though. They, they're just like, we need to go get them, and we need to bring them in. Jesus said, you think that's cool? I'm going to teach you to be fishers of men. I'm not making this stuff up. It's all actually in the Word. Right, I'm not like, like just trying to draw some weird connections. No, this is actually in the book. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. That's what you and I are saved to be. That's why we're here today. A good friend of mine told me a couple of years ago, and I've been saying this a lot up, 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 up in Cedar City, that every person, if that includes you, raise up your hand. All right, every person, you can put your hands down. Every person's a pastor. Every home is a church. The church is just simply a training center. <laughs> you ever been to a church? I know that there wouldn't be anybody here like this, but you ever, ever been to a church been like, I don't go to that church no more because I don't get fed there. Well, churches are not supposed to feed you. They're supposed to teach you to eat. That's what the church is for. The church is about celebrating the goodness of God, building some relationships, um, finding out that someone else has got some fish and needs your boat. I mean, that, that's, that's why this exists. That's why the Bible tells us not to forsake the gathering together of the saints. Right? It's because we're supposed to be in each other's lives, breaking bread together. We're not supposed to drive into our garages, go sit down, cook our own dinners. We're supposed to be having meals with one another. In the book of Acts, there were three things that happened. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were breaking bread together, and they were praying. And when that happened, 
more fish came, more fish came, more fish came, more fish came, more fish came. We don't want more fish to come so that our ministries are successful, Joey. We don't want more fish to come so that our church gets bigger. We don't want more fish to come so that our budgets are easier, Galen. Why we want more fish is because Jesus wants more fish. He wants more people in heaven. He wants heaven to be populated. I want to give you, for those of you that are taking notes, um, you can, can write down, I don't, I don't have time to read the story I was going to, but I'm, I'm out of time, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, just let me tell you the story real quick, um, it's Elisha and the, the, the widow, um, uh, she was married to a prophet who passed away, um, and, and uh, she was running out of oil, you remember the story, and Elijah says, uh, go get go get a bunch of pots, stone pots, and, and just take your little flask of oil. And some of you, some of you here today, um, uh, you know, you, you, you've been through COVID, the economy's tanking, um, the gas is getting expensive, and, and you just are like, if you're anything like me, um, I'm, li- I'm like, wow, um, the, we, we've got a food pantry up in Cedar City that's feeding a thousand families a month. And I'm like, yeah, the, the, the United States right now is making it easier for our food pantry to grow because <laughs> people can't afford, afford to buy food, right? Um, but but, but there, there might be somebody here today and you just feel like your oil's running a little low. Oil can be anything for you. But he tells her to go get a bunch of pots and start pouring the oil and she pours the oil and the son brings another pot and oil and another pot oil and the last pot she's got gets filled up and you know what she says to her son she says is there any more pots and he says no that's it and then the oil stopped flowing so the deep theological question has been you know running around forever is had she had another pot would there have been more oil well yes if there are more boats there will be more fish If there are more boats, there will be more fish. Which are you, right? So, so, so we're, we're, we're talking about initiative. That's the first boat. Partnership, that's the second boat. Legacy is the third boat. Legacy, they, they, they needed a third one. Um, do, you, do you know what it means? Do you, anybody know where the term all hands on deck comes from? <laughs> right, right, that, that's a fishing term. It's a boating term. It means um, now there's so much work to do, we need everybody. And y'all raised your hands already that you are everybody. Um, uh, Christianity in America, uh, Joey, is, is not what it was in 1987. Um, I'm not going to say, Greg, that it was any easier in 1987 than it is today, but it was very, very different. Um, it was so fun last night to just play through some of those songs and just walk around in here and sing. And, and you know, it takes me back to when I cut my teeth as a, as a, as a worship leader and when I started thinking about going into ministry um, in the late 80s and in the 90s. Um, but this next chapter of Cornerstone's history is going to be very different than the last chapter. But you... Everybody look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. All right. Um, You are writing that chapter. Um, Greg and Galen Massonary are not the ones that wrote the story of Cornerstone. 
they're just part of the story, right? The, the story was written by all the people who were in it, who were involved in it. And what's going to happen in this next chapter? What's the legacy of Cornerstone going to be in the next 35 years? Right? That's where we're at today. And what a great celebration to think about what it's been. But how much greater to dream about what it can be. Can you imagine what would happen if everybody walked out of here today and said, I'm the third boat. I'm the third boat. Wherever there's fish, I'm putting a net in the water. I'm going to start. Here's, here's an easy low-hanging fruit for you. Um, when you go into a casino, to a restaurant, to Walmart, to do they have Safeways here? Uh, Bond, Alberts, any, anywhere that somebody's working that they're wearing a name tag. If, if you can read, call them by name and thank them for what they're doing, even if they messed it up. We have a spoken goal in Cedar City, the name of our church, True Life Center. We have a spoken goal up there to earn the reputation of being the friendliest group of people in town. Amen? A lot of, a lot of people don't want to get in the Christian boat because it's not very friendly in there right? Um, all the stuff we bicker about, all the stuff we fight about, all the things we get discouraged about because we're the second boat. All of that's nonsense. It doesn't need to be dealt with. It doesn't need to be worked through. You just need to get over it and move on because there's a lot of fish that need to be in that boat, right? There's a lot of fish that need to be in that boat. And I have been so many times in my ministry and in my life the second boat and really frustrated and letting Jesus know I was frustrated. Lord, I thought you were going to use me. Lord, I thought you said this to me. Why are you using them? Why are you using them? Why are they getting it and I'm not? Why do they get all the money? I remember some years ago our church needed some money and I was talking to some pastors and this, this friend of mine who pastors a church up in, in Salt Lake City said, oh, let me tell you a story about this lady who came and just gave me a check for a million dollars. Didn't give me any but told me the story. And I remember thinking, well, Lord, where's my million dollars? But if I'm in that funk and I'm whining and snarling and quibbling because I'm not the one being used, then when it's time for me to bring the resources God's given to me to bear on someone else's behalf, I'm stuck on the shore. But maybe that's not you. Maybe you're just a third boat that's not even in the water yet. Um, which are you? You're the first boat? You're the second boat? Or are you the third boat? Next chapter of Cornerstone's Legacy will be written by y'all. Only time's going to tell what that will be. But you are informing the narrative by the decisions that you make today. That's just the way it works. I wonder how many fish in the next 35 years, Joey, um, how many fish will Cornerstone catch? Um, I think that that depends on how many boats we have on standby. Um, Joey, if I can talk to you for just a second in the hearing of all of these people. Your role is to equip them, 
to do the work of the ministry. All of them. And if they don't want to take that assignment, your role is to passionately and compassionately (laughs) help them to understand that that's why they're here. We're We're not in ministry to serve the people of God. We're in ministry to train the people of God to service. All of them. And then let me say this to all of you fine people in the hearing of Joey. (laughs) Would you make that assignment easy on him? Would you make that assignment easy on him? He and Linz, they've got a, a, a daunting task to carry this legacy into the next season. Um, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I'm going <laughs> to. Um, I, I have arrived at a decision um, to not spend any emotional or intellectual bandwidth on convincing people who are already going to heaven. So I just lay it out there and I say, hey, this is your assignment. But if you're already going to heaven, um, then, then I'm not going to argue with you about theology, whether or not men should have long hair, whether or not they should wear ball caps, um, whether or not there should be women in ministry. Uh, I'm not arguing that stuff. I'm just doing my assignment. And if I'm going to argue with people, they're going to be non-believers, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm going to get people to heaven. And if you're already going to heaven, let's go. But when I get the opportunity to stand in a platform and to preach, whether it's at this church or at my church or any other church, I'm going to do everything I can to convince people. So when we go out to dinner, I'm not convincing you anymore. I'm just hanging out with you, having fun. But when we're here, this is the training center. This is where it happens. And you have a purpose and a calling. You need to be in the water getting fish. And then we need to stand back 35 years from now and say, my God, would you look at all those fish? Amen. Amen. God bless. Here we go. And this has been a great day to be in church. Great day. Great day to worship. Can we thank Pastor Pete uh, as he's brought the word today? Um, I, think we can, I think we can wrap this up in five minutes. So five minutes of honoring people who are worthy of honor. One thing, Pete, you are now uh, an area pastor in the, in the life of Foursquare, right? Right. You, you are, he, he is in leadership. He's not our area pastor, but you were one in our southwest district. So you actually are a sense and authority figure in the life of Cornerstone, in my life. And oh, what's really go. cool is when Pete became Foursquare, his supervisor was Pastor Greg. And so it's kind of uh, God just doing things full circle. And so on behalf as Foursquare Leadership, they they sent us a plaque here for for 35 years of of ministry to Pastor Greg. Would you and Mom, would you guys come on up? We're going to close in prayer. And um, this was from our denomination. Yeah. Or you can stay there. Whatever you want to do, you're you're the man. So 
Um, they said, could we just stay down here? But Pete, on behalf of kind of our Foursquare denomination, on behalf of just the relationship I know you have had with my dad yeah. for 20-something years, I've always heard your story of when your, when your daughter was sick, how he, 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 he showed up when she had meningitis, mm -hmm. and your relationship is, I just kind of enjoy it because there was a time when, when you looked to him for advice, and I know you, you know what I'm fishing for and what I'm looking for when I call you looking for <laughs> advice, and so it, it's really cool, but we wanted to bless these guys, we wanted to thank them, and I, I wanted to pray for them as we close. Amen. Is that all right? Anything Absolutely. you want to wrap it up with? Uh, um, Pastor Greg has been my second boat so many times. Um, I've been out in the water, sometimes tired, sometimes, sometimes catching not much, sometimes having great catch. Um, but any time I've ever called and said, hey, I need resources, I need help, I need a friend, I need uh, a counsel, I need whatever, always been there for me, always been there for me, always been there for me, and uh, I want to do the same for you, Absolutely. and I want you to do the same for me, because I'm going to call you, and anyway, but, <laughs> Joey, I need a second boat. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. I'll lay hands and you can pray. Let's do it. All right. Could we, uh, church, mm. could we extend our hands towards these these leaders of our church, let's, let's close and let's have a word of prayer. God, we just thank you so much. God, we thank you for the fresh word you brought through Pastor Pete today, but God, may that word just permeate in our hearts, and God, may it stir our feet to, to movement today. Lord, we thank you for the leadership of Pastor Greg and Galen in this church. God, we mm -hmm. thank you for the 35 years of, of going. Thank you for the, the years of sowing, the years of planting. And Lord, we just thank you so much for what the, the legacy is that they have, have left behind for us. And uh, Lord, as we just honor that today, Lord, may we just continue, continue to do what we've been doing, and that is pointing people to your son, pointing people to salvation, pointing people to a savior. God, we ask for more of your favor. God, we ask for not even double portions of your blessing, but five and ten times. God, that would you anoint our, our pastors and our leaders. God, we ask for the, uh, the anointing of Pastor Greg to be passed over and, and passed on to us. And so, God, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.